Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Our guest preacher, he's really not, no stranger to us who have been a part of Life Church in any, any amount of time. I love Pastor Tony. I've known this man for many, many years. He has been uniquely, let me say this. I, you know what? I really don't do him much justice when I introduce him. He is being uniquely used by God all over this country. And when I tell you in a unique way, he's bringing the power of New Testament Holy Spirit anointing to churches that traditionally have not been open to that. He's exposing believers who love Jesus, by the way, just as much as you and I do, to an element of God's power and presence that many of them have never heard of, and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you, God is using this man in a mighty way, and I am. we are blessed to be able to have him in Life Church. I want you to know, he comes, we're probably the, one of the smallest churches that he preaches to all over the country, but he has carved out a place in his heart and on his calendar to be with us at least a couple of times every year. So why don't you give Pastor Tony a good warm welcome, tell him how much you love him, amen. Hallelujah. Clap unto the Lord. Make the Holy Spirit welcome here today. Father, I worship you and I praise your holy name. Amen. I was making sure there wasn't another preacher here today because he got to talking and I didn't know it was me. Praise God. Man, you talk about a boost in my self-esteem today. I might go home and post a selfie today. Glory to God. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. It is an honor to be with you today. Gina was supposed to be with me today, but what happened was... Um, <laughs> it's just another reason not to go to the gym. If any, anyone here is struggling whether you ought to or not, I just decided not to. Because Mylon went to the gym and he dropped a dumbbell on his finger and broke his finger. And it's, 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 it's a lot. I don't want to make anybody sick before lunch, but it may or may not have split open. And there might be, it just, it was bad. So... Gina's being mother, you know, and stayed home and had to be with him. And we understand that. I kind of don't. But I get it. I understand she need to be there. I'm like, hey, it's just a day. She's like, Tony, I got to be with my son. I'm like, we'll leave the Holy Ghost with him. He'll be all right. So anyways, mother is with, mother is at home tending, tending to the children. And I'm here. And I'm glad to be here. And I'm glad for what God's going to do, what he's already done, what he's going to do. I, asked, I was talking this morning about Sunday night revival because I know for some you're thinking, oh, Sunday night. But for some people, it's been a long time since you were in Sunday night church. Uh, he said in the front row, he said 15 years. He's due a Sunday night. So are you. And even though I don't go to the gym because I don't want to break my fingers, they do tell me 
<laughs> they do tell me that if you'll go and you'll push and you'll do a little extra, you'll start seeing some extra results. And what I know about living for God is that when you do a little extra, when you give extra, when you pray a little extra, when you, come, when you sacrifice and come to church, it's not really a sacrifice. But when you'll come on a Sunday night, God doesn't ignore that. God sees it, God honors it, and God will always bless you for what you do for him. So what we're doing tonight is important. Get here. We don't make any excuse for it. We make all kinds of time for everything. We're going to make time for God. It's a special time. It's a sovereign thing. And so get here tonight. Don't come alone. And bring your children. Bring your kids. I want to pray. I want to lay hands on every single kid and pray for them to be touched by the power of God. I am the way I am because on Sunday nights I was in the altar with my parents. Amen. So get your kids here tonight, expose them to the things of God, expose them to the anointing, and I believe Proverbs chapter 3 will be their portion. When they are old, they will not depart from it. So get everyone here tonight to the house of the Lord. Uh, I do have a product table in the lobby. I wrote a book a little while ago called Defeating the Spirit of Hyena. If you're going to win a fight, you have to know what you're fighting, and I believe this spirit is attacking the world today, and so that's available out there. We have these bags. They're called Revival Maker Bags. They have all of our products. They have Gina's music. They have my book. And they also have our first spouse's uh, music in there as well. Uh, long story. If you don't know our story, I don't want to bore you with the story. But I promise you, it's not weird. Okay? But when you go out there, all of the spouses are in the bag. We got a lot of baggage. It's just all, you get me and the wives. They're all in the bag right there. And all of our, it's a bad joke. But it, somebody did a picture. I was just talking to Lindsay about product and about photos and graphics. Someone did a photo of our product last week. It was me and then all these women around me. I'm like, that's great. We look like we're, you know, a bunch of polygamists here. But anyhow, I promise you, it's all in holiness. But you can get Jessica's CD, Corey's CD, all, all the spouses. We're all in there. One big happy family. And, um, and if you'll buy the bag, um, Pastor Rodney's giving a free book today. Uh, it's written by Marilyn Hickey called God's Plan for Abundance. What, why, and how, and how God will bless you in your health, your spiritual life, and in your finances. Um, we do feed starving children. They all live in my house. But that, <laughs> but the book table isn't for the starving children of the mountains of East Tennessee. The book table is for revival. We set up tents. Uh, we're having a tent revival in July in Los Angeles. We're expecting 10,000 people in Los Angeles. Then we're going to San Diego. And then we're going to, Detroit, to Auburn Hills to our friend Steve Warman's church doing a tent revival there. <clears throat> we're going to Cookville, Tennessee, where there has been a massive explosion of revival in one year in this church. I believe the pastor told me like 5,000 people have been baptized in the Holy Ghost. He was pastoring in Louisiana. I just met him. He was in Louisiana, and the Lord said, I got fire in the mountains, and if you'll go like Elijah to the mountains, I'll send fire to the mountains. So he went there on that word, and they've had like 5,000 people in just a year. They knew no one. They just went and just started, and God sent revival. So we're going to go there, and then we're going to Cleveland, Tennessee. So everything from the table is to support tent revivals. Thank you for doing that. Every revival we do, it's like $50,000. But, you know, when you're serving God, when you and, and this applies to everything you do in your life. When you're serving God, you don't have to ask for money. You don't have to beg for money. We're not paupers. We're the children of the king. A man, a man walked up to me a month ago, and he said, God told me to pay for the Los Angeles tent revival. It's already paid for. God's commanded his blessing. So it, when you do that, you're a part of people receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Lord spoke to my heart on January the 4th this year, and he said, your eyes will see 100,000 people. 
baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a bold statement, so I didn't tell anybody. The next day, a pastor called me. I haven't talked to him in four years, and he said, Tony, I had a vision, and I saw you standing in front of a group of people. In fact, that group numbered 100,000, and they were being baptized with the fire of God. The next night, I went to revival with Ted Shuttlesworth, and Brother Shuttlesworth said, Tony, I got a hunch that we're about to see a harvest of 100,000 souls baptized in the Holy Ghost. And on the fourth night, I went to Los Angeles to preach, and my friend was introducing me, and he did this video monologue before I came up to, and the video was about the harvest of 100,000 souls. So in the mouth of two, three, or four, let everything be established. And we've already seen close to 4,000 people this year baptized in the Holy Spirit everywhere. So Pentecost or revival, it's not coming. It's here. It's here. You remember uh, uh, two years ago around this time, they said COVID is here. You said, it's not here. I don't have it, but in a blink of an eye, it went from Washington State to affecting the entire nation and really affecting the world. Well, I contend that anything that happens in the supernatural happens in the natural first. Revival is here, and you might say, or you that's watching at home, or preacher, there, there's a preacher watching, uh, you might say, well, I don't have revival in my church. Well, that does not negate the fact that revival is here. It's here, and in the blink of an eye, Joel chapter 2 is about to be fulfilled, and revival is spreading everywhere. These are the days that Joel prophesied about. These are the days that our grandfathers prayed about. These are the days our parents were building for and believing for, and we don't have to wait any longer. Revival is here. Do you believe that? Shout amen. I feel a witness in the house. It is here for anyone that is hungry, and I'm thankful that Life Church is hungry for revival. It's been a revival church for decades, and there's just greater, greater, greater on the way. Amen? Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? I'm going to the book of Exodus, chapter 32, and we'll begin reading in verse 26. I'm actually going to begin reading in verse 25. Even if they don't have it on the screen, I'm going to start in verse 25. And then uh, just to give a little context. Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control. That context is important for my sermon. Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control, much to the amusement of their enemies. So he stood at the entrance and shouted, All of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. And all the Levites gathered around him. I'm going to title it simply with the question, where are the Levites? Father, use me for your glory. Speak your word. Let it be clear today. Let there be convicting power and no condemnation. I ask that you would confirm your word with signs, with miracles and wonders as we edify the body for the glory of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I say it's done in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I feel God here right now. Strong presence of the Lord here. In God's original plan for the Israelites, the firstborn sons were set apart as priests. This, is, this was gifted to them. It was a role that was designated to them. When the Lord spared them from death in Egypt. They had status 
They had pedigree. They had privilege. They had honor. They had the right last name. They came from the right family. But they dishonored their status and their God by worshiping a false God. And it's not enough that they worshiped a false God. They created the false God. It's as if, as if walking away from what you know is right isn't bad enough. They created the thing that they were worshiping. They, they created false religion, false idols, and false gods. The last miracle that happened for Israel when they left Egypt was not the seven plagues. It was the blessing of prosperity. Before they leave Egypt, God says, you go get all the gold, all the silver, all the riches that used to belong to those that enslaved you, you go get all of their bling, all of their jewelry, all of their money, because I've supernaturally transferred the wealth of the wicked to the righteous. And so now everything that belonged to Pharaoh now belongs to you. When you walk in the things of God, when you walk pleasing to the Lord, when you walk according to the promise of God, you don't have to chase blessing. Blessing chases you. You don't have to chase wealth. Wealth will chase you. You don't have to be on a journey for prosperity because prosperity is coming after you. The Bible says goodness and mercy follow you. All the days of your life. And if you got little kids, you should understand, this is like your kids running down the aisle of Walmart, and you're down there trying to chase your kids and get a hold of them and bring them back. Goodness and mercy is doing the same thing for you. Your house, your car, your bank account, everything you need, an inheritance for your children, health, blessing, abundance, it's trying to chase you down. And when you walk according to the statutes of God, you don't have to seek it, it'll find you. So the Bible says that the gold and the silver was transferred to the Israelites. They, they walked out as slaves, but now they walk out as kings and queens. There's blessing on them. There's evidence of the blessing on them, and they took the gold. They took the blessing that God gave them, and they perverted it. They took the gold and turned it into a golden calf. To make it a little more modern, these are church kids. These are preacher kids. These are Sunday school kids, bus kids. These are people that were raised in the things of God. They sang and believed for a liberator. They knew the songs of Zion. They believed on God or knew of God. But they polluted a holy place. This, and I'm not, it's going to sound rough for a minute, but I've got to preach how God gave it to me. This sounds like the spirit of the religious age that we're living in. The sons of Pentecost that are responsible for a seeker-sensitive, unholy, idolatrous form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Lukewarm, dead church that exists around this nation today. Inside of buildings that were built by prayer warriors. Inside of buildings that were built by people of consecration that knew how to praise and worship. And they used to have fire on the altar. And now their kids have brought strange fire to the altar. I know it sounds rough, but I'm going to preach it the way God gave it to me. 
and they've raised up a sound that sounds like Pentecost. It sounds like church. But if you really listen to what they're singing, it's superficial, it's self-centered, and it has nothing to do with the worship of God, but it's self-worship of themselves, and it's not pleasing to God. Exodus 32, 17 says that when Joshua, because Joshua was with his mentor Moses on Mount Sinai, and when he heard the sound, he said, Brother Moses, it sounds like they're having revival. Sounds like they're having church. It sounds like they're in celebration. It sounds like praise. Moses said, no, it sounds like church, but it isn't church. It sounds holy, but it's unholy. It sounds righteous, but it's unrighteous. It sounds like it. But it isn't. You say, what happened to those kids? Those kids are the byproduct of a generation that had plan B's just in case. God was clear in his command to Israel. You are to serve God and him alone. It's the first commandment. You're to love the Lord thy God. You're not to have any other gods beside him. They were monotheistic people. They believed there's only one God, and it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not like polytheistic people, not, not like Hinduism and other religions of this world that believe that there's thousands of God or that everything's a God. They believed that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was the only one and true God. That's monotheism. But there's this strand that exists in monotheism called, it's, it's called being monolistic. And monolistic people are like the people that go to the buffet. And there's 27 different types of chicken, but you like this chicken the best. You don't, you don't deny there's other chicken. It's just, I like this chicken. And the Israelites, by their witness of the way they lived their lives, what they were really showing God is, we believe there's a plethora of gods. We just choose to serve this God. And I can prove it to you. Because when they left Egypt, they didn't just leave with gold and silver. They brought some of the gods of Egypt out with them. And they hid them in their tents just in case. That's what I'm talking about, plan B. Just in case all this stuff from Jehovah God doesn't work, I'm going to have me a plan B. I'm going to go to church and pray, but I'm still going to go get those tarot cards read. I'm going to go to church and pray, but I'm going to go ahead and check that fortune cookie just in case. Ooh, I'm getting in your business. I'm going to go ahead and church and pray, but I'm going to go ahead and pray to Allah and Buddha and everyone else. I'm going to cover all my bases. It's strange fire on the altar, and you know better. And this is a problem that Israel had for all their days. Because when God didn't answer quick enough, they'd go pull out their old God that they had in the tent. And they hid it from Moses. They hid it from the leadership. But this is why this is so important. You can hide it from leadership, but you can't hide it from your family. Those kids knew we got another God in the tent just in case. The kids knew my parents act one way in church, but they act another way when they're home. The kids knew. And so a generation rose up that when it was their time to worship at the altar, they brought strange fire to the altar because they were not truly 
converted. And I'm preaching the way I'm preaching because I'm not so worried about me. I'm worried about what I'm leaving my kids and my grandkids. I don't want my kids to bring strange fire to the altar. I don't want my, I don't want my grandkids to be perverted and polluted with some form of godliness that denies the power thereof. I want them to know the true, authentic, real, genuine move of God. I can't have anything else in the tent. I can't have any other gods. I can't have any other idols. I'm completely sold out to him. So get, get this word picture. I really debated whether I should preach this sermon in the morning or in the night. Because it it's heavy. But I wasn't sure if y'all were going to come back tonight. So I went ahead and preached it in the morning. <laughs> get the word picture. You got the Lord coming down from heaven. He's visiting Moses at the top of Mount Sinai. The Israelites are aware that they're standing in the presence of God because they can see it. There's evidence of God. They know their leader is having a personal encounter with God. They can see the cloud, they see the lightning, and they hear the thunder. And in the midst of a holy thing, they're engaging in unholy worship. It is possible to come to a holy place with perverted fire. They came and they worshipped their own creation. They were supposed to be worshipping God and they started worshipping their own creation. Anytime that your success and your business and your this and your that gets in the way of you worshiping God, you have made that thing an idol and you better burn that thing down, tear that thing, God, and say, I am a Matthew 6.33 believer. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things shall be added unto thee. They manufactured a false god. I didn't even get into this in the 9 o'clock because I was worried about time. That is a problem in the church today. Now, I'm not saying this church. I'm saying anybody that's watching me at home, wherever you're watching me around the United States, this is a problem. We are trying to manufacture what only God can manifest. We're trying to manufacture revival. We're trying to brand a revival. We're trying to create a revival. You can't manufacture this. This has to come from God and God alone. I don't need manufactured church. I need a manifestation. I need a move of God. I don't need religion. I got out of religion. I'm tired of religion. I don't want to go back to religion. I need a genuine manifestation of God. God spoke to Moses. He said, look at your people. You stand in my presence. I'm talking to some seasoned saints in this room, some people that have known God for many, many decades. You stand in the presence of God. They stand in the presence of idolatry. You know the Bible. Listen, I, please, I'm not just preaching at you. I'm preaching at me. This is my heart's conviction right now. These are the things that keep me up at night. I know the Bible, but do my kids know the Bible? I know how to pray, but do my kids know how to pray? I know what's right and wrong. Do my kids know what's right or wrong? God's getting on Moses, and he's saying, my Lord, you're going to be in the Bible one day. They're going to make movies about you. You're going to be featured every Easter on a movie, but look at the people you're leading. Because our kids aren't going to be saved on pedigree. 
our kids aren't going to be saved because of their last name. They got to fight for their salvation the way we fought for our salvation. But we got to give our kids a fighting chance. We got to create an atmosphere of holiness and consecration because they're fighting devils every day at school, every day on that bus, and they don't need to be fighting devils when they get home. They need to find prayer and consecration. God spoke to Moses, said, look at your people. It ought to anger you. The Bible says that not only the anger of God stirred up, the anger of Moses stirred up. Every seasoned saint in this church, you ought to get angry when anything robs God of his glory. It ought to anger you when anything other than God is worshipped. It ought to anger you that people still don't want to come back to church, but they can fill up a stadium for the Super Bowl, and they can fill up a political party's campaign, and they can march for this and march for that, but they can't march in an altar. It ought to get you angry that people are using sickness as an excuse, and politics as an excuse, and race as an excuse. Where is the fire of God? Hallelujah to the Lamb. It ought to get us angry. You ought to be so angry and so passionately in love with Jesus that it angers you. Something, a jealousy stirs up in you when you see your family giving attention to things other than God. Now, listen, I'm not a, I, well, I'm a fanatic. I'm a fanatic, but I'm not like a crazy, I am crazy. I'm, I'm not weird. I am weird. What I'm trying to say is, I'm not preaching against fun. I'm not preaching against sports. I'm not preaching against vacation. I'm not preaching against all of that. I'm just saying, make sure Matthew 6.33 is how you base your life. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things, what are all these things? All these things shall be added unto thee. But he's a God of order. He's always been a God of order. His miracles, his blessings, everything is attached to the instructions of the blessing. If you do this, if my people shall humble themselves and pray, march, shout, be quiet. He's got all these instructions. And if you follow the instructions, then the blessing comes. So it's not that I'm, and I'm just saying you got to put God first. Sports. It's so interesting. I was telling Pastor, I went to watch God's football team a few, few weeks ago. Before the Lord allowed him to be eliminated, glory to God. God likes to keep the cowboys humble, I tell you what. <laughs> that was my son's Christmas present. Bought him a ticket, we went to Dallas and went to a cowboys game. You walk in that stadium, you, it's like you can hear... I mean, it sounds like you're, like you're walking into a temple, the temple of the cowboys. People are crying. It's unlike, I've been to a lot of ball games. I've never been to anything like it. It's like a religious experience when you walk in there. And I took my son, and we were there on a Sunday, and if my daddy was alive, my daddy, my daddy had to bench me. I wouldn't be here preaching today. My, my dad would say, you are benched for three months for going to football on a Sunday. I'm convicted in this stadium. People, I'm not lying, people are twirling. They're jumping. They're shouting. They're acting a fool. And there's my son in the middle of it. And I got excited too. They scored three, like three touchdowns. I mean, they always find a way to lose, but they scored like three touchdowns that day. I got excited too. 
But my conviction has always been with God, God and me. This is me and God. Whatever you do, so be it. You just make sure you do more for me. So if you're going to shout for a football game. So I told Cole right there, I'm like, look, dude, I see what you're doing. But I didn't see you do that in church last Sunday. It's like the ghost of my father came alive on the inside of me. I looked at Cole. I said, I didn't see you worship like that at church. He's like, come on, Dad. I'm like, nope. Here's the rule. If you're going to do that for the Cowboys, you're going to do more for Jesus. Now, you can say that's fanatic, and you can say that's crazy, but I'm telling you that God wants to prosper you and bless you, and some of y'all get more excited over winning $2 on a scratch-and-win lottery ticket at 7-Eleven than you do about coming in the house of God where Jehovah Jireh, the Lord your provider, is a soon and present help in the time of trouble. And we're going to have to fix the body of Christ and remind them that we're called to be praisers, worshipers, prayer warriors, and we give more to our God than we give to the things of the world. It's time to get the church right again. I live in, in an interesting world where I'm, I'm, not, I'm not old, but I'm not young. I accidentally shaved my beard this week, and I legitimately, that's because I'm old. I didn't, I didn't look to see where the razor guard was. I just, the next thing I know, I got half a beard. But if I had the beard, I'd show you that Just For Men isn't really helping the beard anymore. I'm not old, but my knees let me know I'm not super young. And I stand in the gap between two generations that I love. The generation of my father that I love and I honor, and my children that I'm trying to hold on to. Because one represents heritage, one represents legacy. And it's sad to only have heritage and not have a legacy, but I also want my legacy to kind of look like my heritage. So I'm standing in the gap trying to build a bridge between the two, holding on to here, holding on to here, and bringing everybody forward until Jesus comes. And I know that my heritage is concerned in saying everybody has bowed to worldliness. Everybody has bowed to socialism and wokeism and, and all the isms. And everybody's, everybody's just bowed to the agenda of the enemy. That's how it feels. It, it, that, we, we say things. We've never been, it's never been this bad before. I, I already gave you the history lesson the last time. Yes, it has. But Moses came down the mountain, and he saw the people he's supposed to be leading in a mess. And in his despair, he says, is there anyone that's still on the Lord's side? That's why I'm preaching to you seasoned saints. Because sometimes it feels like you're the only one left. You're the last of the Mohicans. You're the last Indian on the glacier. You're Elijah in the cave. I'm the only one serving God. Moses says, is there anyone that still loves God? Is there anyone that's still on the Lord's side? And the sons of Levi stepped forward. 
Because it looked like everybody had bowed to secularism. It looked like everybody had given in to liberal theology, but there was still a remnant. I want to tell you there's still a remnant in 2022 that loves God above everything else. There's still a remnant that hasn't bowed its knee to Baal, hasn't bowed its knee to secularism, hasn't bowed its knee to religion. They've, they've reserved their, these knees for the Holy One of Israel. They still confess with their mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of Almighty God. There is still a remnant. I was preaching in Los Angeles at the beginning of January, went right into East L.A., found this church, like 2,000-member church in East L.A. We had 400 people baptized in the Holy Spirit that night, and I told them that night, I said, you know, the rest of the country thinks that California is damned to a sinner's hell. We think it might as well be its own country with how bad things are, but now I see why California is still holding on. There's a remnant. There's still, you might not hear about them in the newspapers, but there's someone that still holding on to the word of God. They're still preaching. Virginia, two years ago, everyone was damning you to a sinner's hell. But look at you, why? Because there's a remnant in Mechanicsville. There's a remnant of people that are yet holding on and believing and you're praying and you're interceding and we're watching right before our very eyes as God is saving this commonwealth. That's not political. That's prophetic. God's hand is on this commonwealth. It's important to the nation. This is where the nation started. This is where free enterprise started and freedom of religion started. And the devil has tried to steal the commonwealth, but the devil is a liar. God says, I got my hand on the commonwealth. It was in this commonwealth that they came in 1607 and they planted a cross in the beaches of Virginia Beach and they dedicated, they verbally dedicated the land to the evangelization of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why more missionaries have come out of the United States than any, than any other nation of the world because there was a covenant between God and the land and God does not forsake his covenant. God still has a covenant. Do you know Christian? television started in Virginia. Everything starts in Virginia because God's hand is on this commonwealth and the enemy tried to steal it, but we buffet the enemy and we declare God, God has a remnant of righteousness on the earth. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Nine o'clock didn't get that. He said, is there anyone left? And they stepped up. They said, we didn't bow our knee. We didn't, we didn't worship a false god. And then comes the violent part. Because if you're going to really stand for God, it's this next part. It's a little gory in the Old Testament. I'll save you all the details. But Moses said, all right, you didn't bow? Then get a sword and start killing everything. And everyone. I don't want to go there. I don't want to make anybody nervous. You kill everything. Brothers, friends, neighbors, you kill everything that bowed. You, it, what, what's the type and foreshadow here? What's God speaking to this tribe of Levites that are here today? He's telling you, if you're going to stand for me, if you're going to stand for my way, then you kill everything that's tried to rob your attention from God. You kill off every relationship. You kill off every addiction. You kill off every vice of this world that's trying to rob you of a prayer life and rob you of consecration. If it's sports, 
cut it off. If it's social media, cut it off. If it's an ex-boyfriend or an ex-girlfriend, cut that thing off because it's more important to please God than to please man. And the Levites were given favor with God and a place of prominence, not only because they didn't bow, but because they were willing to kill everything that robbed God of his praise and his worship. They're not the firstborn. They're not the children of promise. They don't have the pedigree, but they didn't bow. And God said, behold, I have taken the Levites from amongst the people of Israel instead of the firstborn. And I consecrate them to myself. They shall be mine and I will be their Lord because they didn't bow. I'm preaching and I'm asking where are the Levites today? Because Levites live in holiness. Levites live in favor. Levites are violent. They get violently angry when something tries to rob God of his glory. Levites get really upset when they see their children dabbling in things that are unrighteous. And Levites will Levites is that spirit that will raise up in a praying mama and when they see their kids doing wrong they'll say I'm going to kill this thing in prayer. If I got to fast for seven days, I'll do it. But the devil isn't going to steal my babies and take them. Everyone else's kids can vape, but my kids aren't going to vape. If they put it to their mouth, it's going to taste like mud. It's going to make them throw up because I'm taking this thing violently in prayer. I'm coming against it in the name of Jesus. Last time I was here, I was preaching about shooting people with the Holy Ghost bazooka of joy. Now I'm saying get a scowl on your face and get angry, Grandma, Grandpa, Dad, Mom. Don't let the devil steal. This is what he's trying to get after you. Listen, this is what he's been doing since the Garden of Eden. He always attacks families before he attacks the nation. In the Garden, he came after marriages. When it was Abraham, he came after Isaac. He came after Jacob. He came after Esau. The enemy is always trying. He's waiting till you let your guard down so he can sneak in and steal your family. God always deals with families first. He was the God of Abraham before he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then because he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then he was the God of the 12 tribes of Israel. Because he was the God of the 12 tribes of Israel, then he became the God, the Lord of the host, the army of Israel. And then an army turned into a people that turned into a nation. But it all started with a family. You can't turn this nation around if you don't start in your home first. The enemy crept into families before he crept into the White House. He crept into our families. And so you got to defend your family. You got to build some kind of a hedge of prayer, some kind of a protection around your family because the enemy wants to get in there and he wants to steal our kids. He wants to come after them. But I'm praying against it. I'm buffeting the enemy. I'm protecting what God has given me because it is my inheritance to God. Hallelujah. I'm violent. I'm a nice guy unless you mess with my kids. And hell is messing with our kids. They're fighting some devils I didn't have to fight. Some of you grandparents don't understand, and I'm saying it to you nicely. 
You don't understand what your grandkids are fighting with. You don't understand. That it's not that he's a new devil. He's the same old nasty devil he's always been. But he's got a few tricks in his bag that he saved for this generation because he knows the potential of this generation. He knows that they're the last day church. He knows that God has called them for such a time as this. And he's trying everything to destroy this, this generation. But I remind the devil that it is written, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your house shall be saved. I'm saved today because of a crazy man named Rito Suarez who prayed prayers that scared me into heaven when I wasn't living right. My daddy would pray outside of the bedroom door. He'd pray outside that door. Oh, God, save Tony. God, if you got to take him, take him, but save him. And I'm like, God, don't let me die. <laughs> For some of you that weren't raised in a Pentecostal church or a Baptist church in the 80s, you might not understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'd lay under those blankets. Oh, God, please. But while my daddy was praying those crazy prayers outside of the bedroom door, I was under the bedroom sheets repenting and saying, God, I'll give my life to you. If you don't kill me like my, the way my dad just asked you, if you don't take me out tomorrow, God, I'll give my life to you. I got my life right because of my daddy's prayer life. I got my life right because conviction was filling our house. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, as a father of four teenagers and another one that's about to be a teenager, as a parent of five blessed teenagers, I'm telling you, we're not going to win this fight arguing. We're not going to win this fight throwing shoes. We're not going we're going to win this fight praying and worshiping and fasting and with consecration. These are spiritual battles and we're going to have to win them the way a previous generation won them. You're going to have to get on your knees and pray until God makes a way. Levites carry the glory of God. There were some things I wouldn't do around my parents because they were holy people. I was scared. When Morton Bustard would come to preach for us, I'd repent before I'd go to dinner with Brother Bustard because that man was a prophet, and I was scared he's going to look in my eyes and read my mail in front of my parents. There were some people I didn't want them to lay hands on me because I thought if they laid hands on me, they'd say, ooh, spirit of lust. Ooh, lion spear. Ooh, he stole from the store last week. Because we revered the holy thing. We revered holy men and women of God. And so we were living different. We were, we were set apart because Levites carry the glory of God. When those preachers used to come to our home and our church, it's like, whoa, that is a holy man. That is a holy one. They carry something. I want to care. I'm telling you how I am. 
I'm crazy like my dad. I want to carry something on me that when I come home from a trip and I've been preaching, when I walk in, I want Cole, Michael, and Zachary to be, oh, man, he brought holiness in the house. Get rid of the stuff. Go put it. If, if the enemy found a way to sneak it into my house, when I walk in, I want conviction to say, get it out of the house. Get it out of the house. Get it in the car. Get it out. What am I doing? I'm carrying the glory with me. I'm a Levite. I'm carrying this with me. Everywhere I go, when I get in an Uber, I want that Uber driver to feel something different. When I go to my job, I want them to feel, I want to carry the glory because I'm a Levite. You say, oh, preacher, that's just what the preachers do. That's just what turquoise skirts got to do when she goes to the jails to preach. God didn't give the Levites the microphone. He gave the Levites charge over the musicians. The Levites were the, the, the Levites, the holy people, the consecrated people. They were the musicians. They were the gatekeepers. They were the guardians. They were the craftsmen. They were the artists. They were the temple officials. And they were the judges. So you don't get to use the excuse and say, well, only the pastor has to be the Levite. Every believer in this room is a Levite and you carry the glory of God. And if you're going to work in the sound booth, you better be living holy. If you're going to be an usher, you better be living holy. If you're a Sunday school teacher, you better be living holy. And musicians and instrument players and whoever you are, if you come on this platform, don't you bring strange fire up here. God says, I still got a holy church that's still my house and I still want consecration. Now, I know that sounds rough. I know it's, I know what I sound like. Thank God for his grace and mercy that forgives us of a multitude of sins. Because Tony Suarez isn't preaching to you from a place of perfection. Thank God for the grace and mercy. But don't be playing with God's grace and mercy. Don't treat it like a toy. Don't, don't, don't treat it like any other. If God's shown you grace and mercy, embrace it. Live in it. Thank him for it. But get right. Because Jesus is coming again and we're about to go home. And Jesus isn't playing around. The devil isn't playing around. The church can't be playing around. We got to get this thing right. <laughs> Levites carry the presence of God. They're in charge of the house of God. There is no secret formula to revival. People, what does it take to have revival? What's it take? I went to preach for a man early 2021. 20, uh, I just come out of that revival that we had in Houston during the, the pandemic at Richard Hurd's church. We'd baptized almost a thousand people in the middle of a pandemic in 2020. Was there for about 24 weeks in a row. Never been in anything like that in my life. People were getting healed. Nobody was laying hands. It was, just, it was an amazing revival. And I come out of that revival and I go to preach for somebody that wanted revival. And we went to dinner and he said, how do I have revival? You know, and we, 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 run, we run a ministry called Revival Makers. Like I should have an answer. <laughs> well, here are the three steps. And if you buy my book today, I didn't have an answer. I didn't, have, I didn't know how to tell him. And I went back and locked myself in with God. God, I need an answer for that question. 
people are calling and saying they're hungry for revival. He said, there's no secret. When I want my people to have something, I make it plain. I don't hide it in another language. You don't have to speak Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic to get this. It's plain in the King's English that Jesus spoke. Está plenamente en su palabra en el español que habló mi Señor Jesucristo. It's plain in your language. If you are a Levite and you want a move of God, you got to pray and you got to praise. That was the mantle of the Levite. Before they carried the title of priest, they were called praisers and they were prayer warriors. And I don't care what you want to put on your business card, you better wear the garment of praise and you better wear the garment of prayer before. We got to remind people what it means to come to church. Are we okay in time? We're all right. Glory to God. We got to remind people about what it means to come to church because we come to church to receive. We come to church and we say, I'm leaving with a blessing. I'm leaving with a miracle. I'm going to leave with my touch. And we come and we want to get our Holy Ghost shake and blessing and say that's enough. But I want to remind you that if that's how you come to church, you came with the wrong motive. Let me help you. We don't come to church to receive. Now, we always do receive, but that's the byproduct of why we come. We enter into his courts with thanksgiving and into his presence with praise. We don't come to get. We come to, we come to give. We come to give him praise and give him worship. I get excited when I come to the house of God because I get to thank him for how he protected me on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and how he made a way where there was no way, how he protected my children from crazy drivers on the road and how he protected drivers from my crazy children on the road. When I come, I come to give. Our mindset has to change, especially if you're a Levite. Levites, you know, we associate with priests and ministers. And so we think that ministry is ministering to the people. What do you give the people? We think that ministry is preaching, and we think that ministry is leading a, a, home, a home fellowship group and teaching a Bible study and working a camera or playing an instrument. That's ministry. But the Levites were not called to the people. They were called to God. They, their chief responsibility was not to minister to the people. It was to minister to the presence of God. And in those days... Brother, I need, that, I need that tambourine you've been hiding from Pastor Buddy again. <laughs> Lord, my man kept the tambourine here like the Israelites kept idols in the tent. My God, kept one hidden. We discovered it this morning. The Bible says that only the priest could go into the presence of God. In those days, the people would gather around the tent, gather around the tabernacle, wondering, what's it like to be in the presence of God? And one Levite, the way I was taught, they would put tambourines and bells around them. And they'd tie, this is what I was taught. I didn't, nine o'clock didn't get this. I was taught that they tied a rope around the priest. Because if he went into the presence of God, the people knew he was in the presence because they could hear the, because there was a sound to the praise. So they were listening for the sound. And if they didn't hear the sound, 
they pulled on the rope. And if they didn't hear a, they knew that the priest had brought something unholy into a holy place. And they pulled the dead body out. That's what I was taught. That's what I was taught. Those people would listen. Man, some people are nervous. Oh, God, please don't let there be a rope. God, please don't pull me out of this place. You're praying the way I used to pray with my daddy's prayers. They would listen to the sound because the chief responsibility of the Levite was to praise God. The reason there was a sound of a tambourine, the sound of bells, is because when they came into the presence of God, they would get lost in worship. For those of you that say Pentecostal worship is not in vogue and it's not necessary, I want you to tell you, before it was Pentecostal worship, it was, it was the way the Jewish people worshiped because nobody taught it. It didn't come out of a book of theology. It didn't come out of a book of doctrine. When the priests would get in the presence of God, they would lose it. There would be something that would come on them that would make bells ring and tambourine shake and I'm telling you a Pentecostal church needs to have Pentecostal worship again there's got to be evidence of the Holy Ghost there's got to be evidence so that people say there's something different about you ah we ought to be in the circus brother Pentecost has gotten all polished that's why I wore a three-piece suit today we're polished we're dignified. We've grown up. We're no longer the people on the other side of the tracks. We're no, we're no longer the worst of the worst. Now we're blessed. So we've tried to polish up the image of Pentecost. We used to be known for crazy praise. Running aisles. Taking chairs out. And taking some people out with the chairs. I got scars right here from somebody ran the aisle with their eyes closed. Took me right out like Macho Man in a wrestling match. <laughs> but we got polished. You don't hear the sound of prayer. I'm not talking about Life Church. I'm talking about the one that's watching me at home right now. That's why you need to get in a church that really believes the message. And when you get in that church, you love that church, you support that church, you fight for that church, and you back that church. Because not every church has the fire. Not every church has it. And if you live anywhere in this area and you're looking for one that has it, you run to this house and get here tonight because there's fire in this house. There's fire on this altar. You can feel the presence of God here. Pentecost got polished and dignified. We used to praise God. You think social distancing is a new thing? CDC didn't set up social distancing. I've been social distancing my entire life because of Pentecostals. You come to church, you're like, give me room. I need room to praise the Lord. That's not the CDC. That's Pentecostal doctrine. But we, we polished our image because we got cameras in the church now. And you don't want someone to, on Facebook to see you. So you went from that to can't even hear your clap anymore. He brought you out of alcohol, brought you out of drugs, brought you out of a lifestyle of sin, saved you, set you free, and you can't clap, you can't shout. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. 
And then some of you that have Pentecostal pedigree, I rebuke you too. You might not have the world's testimony. Maybe you never smoke, you never drink, you never do drugs. You ought to praise God double than the people that did it because God protected you. God made a way for you. God shielded you. And he's worthy of a high. Where is the sound of the Levites? I'm coming to a close. Levites worked in the house of God. Levites played the instruments. Levites offered the sacrifice. They stepped into the holy of holies. They ministered to God before they ministered to the people. They made war with their praise. They had a tambourine and a sword. They had a praise and they were protecting the holy thing at the same time. They would squash every form of false religion that would try to pop into the, into the things of God and into the people of God. And they kept things holy. And you say, well, Brother Tony, you just preached to me about a tribe of Levites, but I'm a child of the covenant. I'm saved by grace. And because of Jesus, I no longer have to live and abide by all of those Old Testament laws and rules. And as soon as you show me that scripture, I'll stop preaching and let you preach. What I saw is that the Bible says that Jesus fulfilled the law. And the Bible says in 1 Peter 2 9, I made somebody nervous there. 1 Peter 2 and 9 says, and you are now a royal priesthood. You are now a part of the tribe of of Levi. The New Living Translation says that you are now God's very own possession. So the responsibility and the blessing of the Levite now belongs to you. We are the Levites of this generation called to squash religion and lift up the banner of the name of Jesus. We are the Levites that are charged with keeping his house holy and keeping our house holy so that our children can know the same fire. We are the ones that are called not to preach and have a title, but to show forth the praises of him that called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And every time somebody tries to diminish, I push back and say, we need more. You be careful criticizing free worship and praise. Well, it doesn't take all of that. Oh, it takes a lot more than that. Oh, yes, it does. And you be careful that you don't have the spirit of David's first wife, Sister Michael. Because when she saw her husband, her boothang, when she saw him worshiping God uncontrollably, her reaction was, I'm so embarrassed. That lets me know that there wasn't any true praise and worship in Saul's house where she was raised.
Because had she been raised around people like David, she would have known this is what you do. This is why God blessed me. This is why God made a way. But she was raised in a house where there was no praise, and so it was foreign to her. That is, ladies and gentlemen of the Pentecostal jury, If I know I'm being redundant, but that's the thing that I fear. That you and I know the presence of God, but our children will have the spirit of Michael and say, oh, I don't know what that is. That means you weren't praising God in front of your kids. That means you weren't speaking in tongues in front of you. Because if you make it common to your kids, if they'll know it, that's when Proverbs 3 is fulfilled. Then when they're old, they won't depart from it. And you say, well, but brother, my son backslid. My son. I know, I, I get it. Everybody goes through their tests and their trials. But if you live this faith in front of your kids, I believe the blood will call them home one day. I believe that the anointing will go and lasso them and pull them back in. You just keep praising. You just keep praying. You just keep being a Levite in the presence of God. Don't you let down your standard for God. You commit to being a passionate believer and God will bring everything that belongs to you home. Musicians come because I got to stop I'm, 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 I'm scaring the people. They're not going to come back tonight. Michael said, it doesn't take all of that. Why, why, why you got to dance like that? Why you got to shout like that? Why you got to praise like that? Pray like that? Why you got to be so loud? I'd go to restaurants with my dad. It'd be time to pray for the food. Everyone else says, Heavenly Father, we ask you, but my dad's like, Lord Jesus, I thank you. And I'm like falling out before I believed in falling out under the, under the chair. Because I didn't want to be associated with the shout. <laughs> oh, there goes turquoise right now. Glory to God. Michael said, oh, it doesn't take all of that. You don't have to pray that way. You don't have to do all of that. And David said, honey, let me remind you something. Let me, let, me, let me remind you. Do you remember who you are and who I am? You had it all. You had the temple. You had the riches. You had the title. You had it all. I had nothing. I don't even know who my mother is. The Bible doesn't say who, we, who she was. Did she die? Did she run off? I'm not getting into any kind of theological. I'm just saying, mom's not even mentioned. I had nothing. And when I wanted to go to war, my dad patted me on the head and said, boy, go get back and play with the sheep. My own family doesn't believe in me. You think that this was anything? I'm going to praise him even crazier than this. I've been contending Praying, seeking revival. I've seen friends walk away from things that they know are needed. And God's conviction to me, the more I, the, the, the longer I preach, going on 22 years of ministry, the longer I preach, the more I hear God saying, consecrate, consecrate, draw closer. You can't draw closer without prayer. You can't draw closer without praise. He's calling his church back to him. When's the last time you got convicted about something? 
I'm not asking. I'm just saying, when's the last time God got a hold of your life? You say, oh, I left everything 47 years ago. Does that mean God hasn't talked to you in 47 years? Because sometimes it's not things or things. Sometimes it's mindsets. Sometimes it's family squabbles. Sometimes it's church hurt. Family hurt that we haven't laid at the altar. But when David danced, the Bible says that when David danced, what really bothered his wife is that when he danced, garments started falling off. Now, we're still holding this. Don't you do that in this house. But she danced, uh, he danced, and garments started falling off. And some of y'all need to praise God until pride falls off and hurts and, and indiscretion and sin and addiction. You need to praise God until these things fall off of you and you're clothed in righteousness. David's, David's response to his wife was, boo, he chose me. He anointed me. He brought me out of the miry clay. You'll have to excuse me. I'm the son of Almighty God, and my inheritance is heaven. How can I not praise him? How can I not live holy and right? Stand with me, if you will. And when it, can't, when it got time to hand out the blessing, because there's always blessing. And when it was time for all the tribes of Israel to get their stuff, God said, you get this city, you get this city, you get, it was like Oprah. You get a car, you get a car, you get a car, and you get a car. But when he arrived at the Levites, he said, you don't get a car. Because you did extra. I'm not going to give you cities like I gave everybody else cities. You inherit my presence. You get me. I'm your inheritance. I'm your portion. That means wherever I go, I'm blessed. Wherever I go, God goes with me. So it's like they all got the car, but you got the dealership. You didn't get the dealership. You got... You got the brand. You got where the cars come from. You, everybody else has an evidence of blessing, but you got the blessor. And everywhere you go, it's noticeable. There's something different. Now, we're going to have church tonight. We're going to have Holy Ghost, wild, Pentecostal church. Used to be if you're going to shout, you had to kick your high heels off. We'll allow you to wear sneakers now if you want to. Whatever. I don't care. But come ready tonight to give God a high praise. Not based on what she or whoever sings, but based upon the goodness of Jesus. Come looking for miracles, signs, and wonders. I heard there's a family that's going to get water baptized in this morning service. Is that family here? Are you here? Where are you? Would you just kind of wave if you're here? So, there you are. God bless you. Is there four, four of you heard maybe? Two? Oh, five? I, somewhere between two and five people are getting baptized this morning. 
If you're not a part of that group between two and five that are getting baptized this morning, but the convicting power of God's moving on you right now, and you say, Preacher, I want to make sure I'm right with God because I know that moment's coming. I know he's coming again, and I need to, if, if today Jesus were to come for his church, are you sure you'd go to heaven? Or are you fearful you might go to, I, I know, I know it's not the way we preach anymore, but there's a real heaven and there's a real hell. I want my kids to know, daddy can't save you. I can show you the path, but you got to walk in the right path. And if you're not sure, if Jesus came today, if you're not sure that you would go to heaven, the Bible says that when we are water baptized, we are buried with Christ. This is burial waters right here. You, the old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. You come out of the water a new creature. You can't change on your own, because if you can't, if you could, you would have already. Someone told me when I was pastoring in Norfolk, preacher, when I stop smoking, I'm going to get baptized. So if you could stop smoking, you would have done it already. You need, you need to get baptized and you need to take the pack of cigarettes with you to the water. And your lighter. And your vape. And whatever else you got. Let it get buried in the water and never light up again. I'm, let, I'm, praying, I'm praying crazy prayers these days. I've been praying, Lord, if my kids put anything to their mouth, make them throw up. If they dare put a cigarette or a vape or a cigar or whatever else they're trying to do, Lord, let them throw up immediately and never put it back in their lips. Why? Because I'm protecting a generation that needs to know God. If they pick up a glass of liquor, let it break in their hand. And if you say, I use red cups, then let it fold and break and fall apart in their hand. Because he's still a holy God. Ooh, I, am I okay, Pastor? God spoke to me at the beginning of this year. Am I okay, Bishop? <laughs> I don't want to scare anybody. <laughs> Some of you have never heard preaching like this, and that's, I'm not trying to scare you. You need everybody in your life. You need that loving mother, and sometimes you need that dad that'll. God spoke to my heart at the beginning of this year. He said, you tell my kids, it hurts my heart that I've given them the new wine, and they're still partaking of the old wine. He said, my wine gives joy everlasting and full of glory. Their wine gives them drunk driving and death and addiction and liver problems. And our quest of leaving legalism, that does not mean that there's still not a standard of holiness and righteousness. I don't want religion, but I don't want little liberalism either. I want to stand holy and righteous before God, lifting up holy hands that are pleasing to the Lord. If you've never been water baptized or you're not sure and it's been a long time and you say, preacher, I feel like I need to be re-baptized. I told Pastor Buddy, I'm going to help him baptize tonight. I'll get right over there. We already got like two people that have signed up. But if you're not already on that list of two to five, but you say, preacher, 
I need to be baptized. I want to be baptized. If that's you at the count of three, I want you to wave your hand at me so that I can get a better count of how many there are. Aside from the two to five that are already here, you've never been baptized or you feel to be rebaptized at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Is there any hands? Is there anyone that I'm missing? Make sure you wave. Do I see your hand right there? There's one. God bless you. There's two. God bless you. There might be a third right there. There might be a fourth on the front row here. Is there someone over there? There's five. God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is what happens. Last week I was preaching in Georgia, and they're going to have a Sunday night service, and the pastor said, I know there's one person getting baptized tonight. I said, well, let's just see what God does. Because God doesn't do arithmetic. He does multiplication. They said there was one. Two hours later, we were baptizing number 53 in the waters that night. No baptismal robes. Just a sovereign move of God, and people started getting in the water. I'm not saying God has to do it the same way every week. There's a beautiful family. Look, one, two. I don't even know how many of them are getting baptized, but thank God. Thank God for what he's doing. Tonight... I will pray for every need. I will lay hands on every head that wants me to pray for them. But today, this is an altar of repentance. This is an altar of consecration. This is an altar where you need to bring your family, that thing, that issue, whatever separating you from where you need to be, you need to bring it and lay it on the altar. Someone says, why do you do an altar call? Because it's not enough to simply hear the word of God. You must respond to the word of God. And in the altar, this is where I make the transaction between the natural and the supernatural. This is where I respond to the word. And I come and I say, God, I receive your word. And I lay my life down. I lay my family down. My children, my ambitions, whatever it is, you lay it on the altar. And the fire of God will come and consume the sacrifice. And he'll bless you. This is not an altar of condemnation. Where you come feeling so, well, but preacher, I've messed up so many times. And I've done this. That's the enemy creeping in. What you're going to feel is convicting power. That's that compelling feeling, I got to get right. I got to do better. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make this commitment to God. And sometimes fear will creep in and say, yeah, but you, you know you're going to fall. I guarantee you will. It's written. A just man falls seven times, but he gets back up again. And rather than try to pick yourself up, up, pick yourself up alone like you used to, now you won't be alone. The Holy Ghost will pick you up. The Holy Ghost will dust you off, clean you up, and the Holy Ghost will say, come on, let's go, walking towards victory. So this altar is open at the count of three for every Levite in this room that says, I have come today to lay a sacrifice on the altar and to worship my God. One, two, three. Where are the Levites? Coming back to the heart of worship, where it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made, and it's all about you, 
business, with, with money, with the things. But God, there's nothing more important than you. I lay my marriage, my children, my desires, my flesh on the altar. I want my life to be holy, pleasing, and acceptable. I got to remind somebody, I don't want you to leave this service saying, man, I'm not, I'm not living right. I'm not holy enough. That's not the motive. The motive is to tell you, I know you can do better because of the Holy Ghost. I know God can help you. I know we can do better as a people. I know God can bless you. So you're in a good church. You're not, you don't have to do this alone. You got Brother Rodney here. You got other people behind here that'll support you and love you. You got, pe you, you got people that have been down this path. You got wonderful pastors that won't judge you. They'll love you. They'll love you into heaven. That's what we need to do. But love, love can't always look the other way. Love has to be able, you got to give love permission to say, that's not right. You got to fix that. Not because I'm judging you, but because I want you to get to heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray that when you leave this service today, there'll be this desire. I'm going to do better. I'm going to live for God, and my life is going to please God. Now, I know there's some people coming to get water baptized. I'm going to turn this service back over to, to Pastor Rodney, and we're going to rejoice with those. We're, I'm going to turn it over to him in one minute. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't miss tonight, 6 o'clock. Come, invest spiritually, and watch what God is going to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I When it's all about you, all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all Brown, upon the profession of your faith and obedience to the Lord, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins.
Joey Lebenz upon the profession of your faith and obedience to the Lord, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. upon the profession of your faith and obedience to the Lord, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Come on, let's give God a praise right now. We're not done, but this is huge. Come on. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. What a moment for this, this family. Amen. To God be the glory. Nicholas Brown, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Woo! That's right. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Amen. Amen. I love it. I love it. These beautiful children coming to the Lord. Amen. Christian Brown, upon the profession of your faith and obedience to Jesus, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin. Hallelujah! <laughs> amen, amen. Praise God. What a beautiful way to close this service. Amen. Hey, thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.